Coming up, what an excellent day for fathers. Howdy, folks, and welcome back. This is the Exorcist Minute, a show where we are endeavoring to examine, extrapolate, and excavate the Exorcist minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute starts with the man in khakis walking through the dig site. And it ends with the uncovering of an artifact. And I think we pointed this out in the previous minutes. This is the actual site of ancient Nineveh. Uh, Friedkin not only insisted on filming in Iraq, but he wanted to literally be in the location of the ancient city. You know, just in case he hadn't pissed off enough supernatural forces back home. <laughs> Folks, none of us know what awaits us on the other side. And I think Friedkin is hedging his bets here and making sure whomever he meets over there will be properly pissed off at him. And that, that's sort of his thing. <laughs> be sure yeah. everyone's pissed off. If he pisses off everyone equally, yeah. then he's doing things right. Right, right. Equal opportunity piss offer. Um, now, the first thing I noticed this time in this minute, knowing what I know uh, about a certain supernatural being we are going to meet very very soon, is that the wind in this minute suddenly picks up and is blowing in what seems to be a very deliberate direction. If you look at the left side of the screen, you'll notice the sky is a little bit brighter. So the sun is over there, and we assume that it's setting, not rising, because it seems brighter in the previous minutes. So that wind is blowing in a westerly direction, maybe not true west, but thereabouts, which means our man in khakis is walking southwest from the right of the screen to the left. Very ominous. And Lester, I know you're worried about reading too much. In this. I don't think you can read too much into anything because films is like the most complicated medium we've ever had mm. um, until the invention of video games. I mean, so everything is... Yeah. But they're, and even they're shooting on location, um, yeah. they, they wouldn't be using just naturally where the light is. I mean, they mm. would be putting the light on the left side of the screen and using mm. uh, reflectors and um, and actual electrical lights. So, so I think you're onto something here. Okay. All right. Well, I, I hope so. So another archaeologist indicates that there have been some interesting finds, some lamps, arrowheads, coins. But the first thing that the old man picks up is a medallion. And it's weird because it's not from the same time period as the other stuff. It's also suspiciously Catholic. <laughs> and that's where our man in khakis looks around and says, wait a second, am I in the exorcist? No. Um, <laughs> am I the exorcist? <laughs> am I the exorcist? Am I the titular character here? What? Um, <clears throat> but uh, Keenan, do you know about uh, this medallion? I know nothing about medallions. I know they are very Catholic, but it certainly looks very Catholic to me. Yes, yes. it's a very, very Catholic. I myself have a, a medallion of St. Michael uh, that I got from a place in Rome. And it looks, oh. it, it has, it's the exact size. It has, it looks like the exact same kind of um, imprinting on, on the metal. So, and what really, is St. Michael the patron saint of? Do you remember? St. Michael is, among other things, he's uh, the patron saint of, um, Hang on. You know what? Let's just, I have the power of the internet here. Let's see. Saint Michael, patron saint of, uh, patron saint of military and police forces, oh. fierce warrior and defender of the children of God. So I specifically got that because my brother was uh, uh, deployed and uh, it was a bit of a surprise for us. He's in his military career and he just got the news that he was going to be deployed. And uh, he and I share a middle name, which is Michael. Oh, um, wow. 
And yeah, it was just kind of a coincidence that uh, St. Michael happens to be the uh, patron saint of military forces. Uh, but I sent off special uh, to Rome to, I think it was like the St. Michael Basilica. Um, and I got two medallions. I got one for myself and one for him so that he could wear it while he was over there and I would wear it as well. And it worked, I guess, because oh, now he's home. And That's uh, so yeah. sweet. And he's <laughs> ca Captain Clark. He's he, he, oh, he's no, he's no, he's a, a major now. Oh um, my goodness. I didn't realize yeah. he got promoted. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're really, really happy and thankful. I, I specifically went to uh, a church, uh, to get it blessed and he had to go and get it blessed. And my God, the paperwork, uh, or the, just, just the kind of like the, the hoops you got to jump through to get a priest to bless something. Um, what do you got to do to get a priest to bless something around here? I know, you know what? Who would have thought that there's so much bureaucracy behind, uh, blessings and exorcisms and things like that, you know? Um, I wonder if this movie will uh, talk about that. <laughs> so anyways, yes, it certainly does look like one of those Catholic medallions, the ones that uh, are the man in khakis pulling out here. Yes, yes, it does. And this specifically is uh, a very special medallion of St. Joseph with the Latin phrase, Sancte Joseph ora pro nobis, or St. Joseph, pray for us. Oh, so uh, the St. Joseph. The St. Joseph, that okay. St. Joseph, yes. He's um, so famous, even I know who St. Joseph is. Yes. Uh, something to note, Joseph is the patron saint of immigrants, families, fathers and expectant mothers, which seems like he's taking Mary's thunder a little bit. Uh, I, I read that and I was like, hang on, you are neither a mother nor did you expect what happened to you. <laughs> so I Googled Mary just to make sure that, yes, she is also the patron saint of all mothers and also of all humanity. So I think she's okay. I think we can let Joseph have this one. But I I wanted to bring that up because I'm always on the lookout for St. Medallions when they appear in film, uh, because usually there's the saint of something germane to the film. And here we have the saint of families and specifically fathers. And not just that, but the person of Joseph is of a man who adopts the role of a father while not necessarily being the true father. He performs the duties of a father and is a father figure to Jesus while Jesus's real father is not physically present in the picture. And not to put too fine a point on it, but I find it really interesting that we have characters in this film with the title of father, that is a priest, stepping in and taking the role of surrogate fathers for another character. I think that's really interesting. Right. And of course, we have uh, Reagan later. I, I hope you're not watching this film without having seen The Exorcist, watching it a minute at a time every week. Yeah. <laughs> but later on, we're going to see Reagan and, and her father is not in the picture. Yes, um, that's actually a good point, Keenan. There are some movies by minute podcasts that that do that and they try to avoid spoilers. We will try to do our best to keep uh, some of the big surprises uh, until they happen. But this is a movie that I think I think is has been in the public zeitgeist for uh, a while now, and I think everybody knows uh, what's going to happen. There is going to be an exorcist and an exorcism. Um, but who is the exorcist? But who is the exorcist? Well, actually, I have questions about that. Yes, yes. Um, for whatever reason, our man in khakis hands the medallion back to the other archaeologist and turns his attention back to the hole as if something is still there. And yes, after a little bit of digging, he does find something. We can't say what it is in this minute because it's still obscured in a clump of dirt when he takes it out, but I swear Friedkin is doing something weird with the sound in this specific shot. Keenan, did you notice maybe a faint change as he's reaching in there to pull the thing out? Oh, not with sound at all. No, no. I, I think I'm, I am too visual of a person. 
Okay. So maybe, maybe it is just my imagination. Maybe, maybe I just really want there to be a sound there. Um, well, we don't but, have any dialogue or any other things. So, I mean, you know, true. we'd be working with the soundscape to create some kind of feeling in the audience. Yeah. Um, I did listen to it again and I swear I'm hearing something. And to me, it sounds like wind blowing. And then I think, well, that's ridiculous. There's wind all around them, but it really does sound like Friedkin dropped another fainter track of a different wind perhaps mm. a wind from another time oh, and okay. folks you might be thinking god this guy won't shut up about wind but <laughs> there is a reason and i'm excited to get to that in the next couple of minutes one more thing here i would be remiss if i didn't mention it because it's been mentioned before by other people who have examined this film keenan did you see the fly no, no not the jeff goldblum movie i mean the fly <laughs> that is that is in this shot no i've seen the jeff goldblum movie no i don't know what you're talking about and now i'm wondering if i'm the crazy person uh, <laughs> no what, what 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 fly okay so uh, when our man in khakis pulls out this object a fly lands on his hand uh before the shot changes i am almost certain that that was a mistake but what an excellent mistake um <laughs> Right. Again? This would be before the days where they could train uh, flies through CGI. So this yes. would be, yes, a almost certainly a fly that they might have tried to attract there, but it, mm -hmm. it would not be something they could have done on purpose. Yes. Now, folks, I'm in L.A. and there are acting schools for flies all over the neighborhood. And, you know, <laughs> there's there's competing. You know, it's like, do you go to Meisner? Do you go to Strasburg Fly School? It You know, it's, you got to be careful. A lot of them are scams and they'll, they'll yeah. want you to take your your uh, children flies, your maggots and make mm -hmm. them into big stars. And they right. usually uh, have ill intentions. Right, right. You got to pay a fee. You get, you know, it's like, Jesus. Uh, OK, <laughs> so it's a fly. What do we associate with flies? Oh, when he gets on his hand, just it, as, as soon I'm watching it now again, as yeah. soon as he picks up, uh, this artifact, yes, this artifact, right yes, onto right? his hand, and it follows his hand out of the shot. It stays right. with him, you know, out of the shot. Well, you know, with movie mistakes, so with any film, they're filming uh, each shot several times. They have several takes of it, um, mm -hmm. so they have a bunch of different options. And if you are a student filmmaker or someone who's tried to make films, usually your takes you have different takes because something has gone wrong. The camera, you forgot to take the lens off the camera, or somebody mm -hmm. says their line wrong, or the camera falls off the table, or whatever. But right. in professional shoots, um, most of that stuff is taken care of and so you actually have you know three or four takes of the same uh thing happening and so even if it is as you're saying a mistake um they have chosen to keep that shot in the film out of uh, three or four different takes so so it is they if they did think oh how terrible we had this mistake in it they would have cut it out correct yes and as we know friedkin is a huge perfectionist we're going to talk about other scenes later on where uh he he does multiple takes just to get uh the right take and so the fact that he noticed this fly and he said keep it in it means something it certainly doesn't hurt uh when you start looking at the entire fabric of the film that makes a lot of sense uh, and that's the kind of thing that can uh on a repeated viewing now that i see it there i do kind of feel like ooh, <laughs> chilling <laughs> <laughs> you could almost say electrifying i'm just gonna keep i'm just gonna keep driving that <laughs> i did want to mention one thing before we talk about you know this final shot in our minutes yes. um mm -hmm. is that in the editing here so we have father Marin or the man in khaki who yes. is uh kneeling down and then we immediately cut 
to the tray of artifacts that he has to choose from. And he's mm. able to immediately pick out this Catholic medal, um, yeah. which I find really interesting. It's a little bit like, uh, say, the ritual where they decide the Dalai Lama and they've mm -hmm. given him this tray and they say, pick the one that belonged to the Dalai Lama. And this is how you know that you're oh. the reincarnated Dalai Lama. Like he seems to have a gift. He's able to look through all these tiny things and our eye can't see the difference between any of them. And that cut is immediate and he's able to pick up this, um, this medallion. As opposed to this cut that goes into our last shot where we cut and we are looking from his perspective and mm -hmm. we just see a bunch of dirt and a bunch of mass and we can't figure it out. Yeah. And Very he can't either. Huh. I didn't I didn't even pick up on that. That is that is really cool. And it does speak a little bit to how quickly he also seemed to find the artifact in the hole uh, because he didn't do I observed he didn't do a whole lot of digging like he, right <laughs> he, he joins the archaeologist and he grabs his pickaxe and he's in there for like maybe a couple of seconds and then he pulls mm -hmm. out uh this this other artifact right but we're see. we're asked to sort of look with him and see if we can mm -hmm. see what he can see and of course we can't right. and what i love about the way that this artifact is pulled out is that it has been sitting in front of our eye right in the center of the frame without yes. us able to see that it, it's we can't even necessarily see that it's a clump unto itself mm -hmm. you know that it is a removable piece of this um wall of dirt mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh that is spooky i remember uh there was a commentary on uh i think it was either the first or the second movie alien where the alien itself is hidden in oh sight. my goodness that is one of my favorite moments in the cinema yes it's just right in the background and because of course uh the alien is, and the ship the nostromo look very similar mm. we don't expect it there and i'm thinking also of a similar shot uh, near the end of signs which mm. is more spoilery but uh so i won't go into that uh, okay but but we have the one of our characters is standing right next to a gray wall and then the gray wall moves and you've been looking at the gray wall for a good 30 seconds so it feels like eternity and and you don't even expect that there'll be anything there. And all of a sudden, what you're looking at moves and reveals itself. Oh, I really like that. And that just makes this this shot so much more spooky. The fact that we have we have been looking at this thing that he uncovers the entire time. I right. really like that. So he pulls this out. He stands back up, walks over, and rather than use his own brush, which I'm sure he has, <laughs> he takes the other guy's brush out of his breast pocket to brush the dirt off this thing he found. Now, I know like this isn't supposed to be funny. We're, we're stopping right before a big reveal. And I'm sure this wasn't to, meant to make me laugh, but it did. Just the fact, go back and look at this. He, <laughs> he's, he's holding it. He's, he's kind of like wrapped in concentration. And without looking up, he just, you know, reaches into the other guy's breast pocket. <laughs> And grabs out a brush and he starts brushing. Um, and the other guy is kind of like, oh, well, okay, I guess, I guess so. I guess that's what we do when, when yeah. a uh, British, Swedish person or whatever comes to my country, they just use my brush out of my just, pocket. Just, yeah, just take everything from me. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> now, now, Keenan, you have told me before that everything on screen is deliberate and intentional. And I would assume even more so with the director like Friedkin. So is there a reason we don't have him? use his own brush or have I plumbed the depths of what a minute by minute <laughs> film analysis podcast is supposed to be? Well, again, it might not be deliberate and intentional, but, but it's use, it's useful for you to assume that it is because then you might mm. be able to actually think about these things that bother you in a given film or stand out or seem to break the rules either mm. of uh, film language in general or of the film itself that the film has established. Um, so I don't have an answer to that, <laughs> Lester, but you, you seem to like it. Um, I don't know. It might just be that uh, we didn't want to cut to 
uh, Father Marin, um, you know, pulling a, a brush out of his own pocket or something yeah. of expedience. But, um, mm. you know, the the colonialist critic in me is pointing more towards, yes, it's <laughs> Father Marin uh, just reaches into the Iraqi um, Iraqi man's uh, pocket and gets to use whatever he wants. But I don't know if anyone has any answers to these, you know, really uh, interesting little um, little details that, again, well-constructed film, yes. um, you know, everything is very analyzable, if that's a word. Mm, mm, mm. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, well, that is it, folks. This minute is done. Keenan, do you have anything else that you uh, want to add? No, let's talk more about that wind next time. All right. Okay, folks. So until next time, the, the power, power of, of the, the fly, fly compels you. you.